Today is the fourth day of Hanukkah, and I want to share with you a personal idea, which I spoke about 17 years ago. I was married, my wife and I were married on the fourth night of Hanukkah 17 years ago, so it's a special day for us. And uh, the Shabbos before getting married is something called an Ufruf, which is uh, a celebration where the um, the chassan, the, the groom is called up to the Torah. People throw stuff at him and the kala, the bride, does certain special things with her family and friends. And at the, uh, at the, on that Shabbos, I spoke about the following idea related to last week's Torah portion and Hanukkah. So in last week's Torah portion, we have, we're introduced to two of the great leaders of the Jewish people of the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 sons of Jacob. And those are namely Yehuda, Judah, and Yaakov, and Yosef, Joseph. Now, these two personalities are very different, and they both become incredible uh, leaders in the Jewish world. And ultimately, according to Jewish tradition, Mashiach, the Messiah, will be a descendant of Yaakov, of Yehuda, from the tribe of Judah, descendant of King David. And everyone knows about that. But there's actually a tradition that there's also Mashiach, who is descended from the tribe of Yosef. Mashiach ben Yosef. And Mashiach ben Yosef is a, uh, essentially paves the way for the ultimate Mashiach, who is the descendant of King, of da- King David from the tribe of Yehuda. So both of these players have an int- incredible part in Jewish history. And in last week's partial, we're introduced to them. Essentially, both go through challenges and they respond to them very differently. Uh, Yehuda is, uh, as we've spoken about, ends up having being tempted by his daughter-in-law, Tamar, who has a vision that she is supposed to give birth to offspring through Yehuda. And since Yehuda failed to give his third son to Tamar, Tamar gets married to Yehuda's first son, and the son passes away, gets and then uh, is passed on through something called yibum, leverate marriage, uh, where someone passes away without having children. Then it's a mitzvah for the brother to marry that wife in order to try to give forth children in that brother's memory, in the brother's name. And according to Kabbalah, uh, a reincarnation of the bro- brother's soul comes through them. And um, so Yehuda gives her over to his next son, and that son also passes away. And then when it comes time to his third son, he's hesitant. Tamar sees that he's hesitant, and yet she has this vision that she's supposed to be uh, give, bring forth incredible children through Yehuda's offspring. So she takes matters into her own hands, dresses like a prostitute, and essentially seduces Yehuda. Yehuda succumbs to that and ends up, um, when he finds out, he gets very upset, and Tamar essentially says, whoever gave me these items is the father, and Yehuda publicly confesses to having done wrong, and um, and Tamar gives birth to these two children, who become one of whom becomes the parrots, becomes the great-grandfather of King David. So now, 
Yosef, on the other hand, Yosef is sold into slavery by his brothers. He descends into Egypt. And crazy things happen to him. He, uh, is, besides the fact that his brothers turn against him, he was sitting in the lap of luxury as the prized son, the closest son of, of Yaakov, his father. The next thing he knows, his brothers turn against him, throw him into a pit, and then sell him as a slave into Egypt. And in Egypt, he is becomes incredibly successful as the servant of someone named Potiphar, who is one of the priests. And then Potiphar's wife starts to try to takes a liking to Yosef and tries to attempt to seduce him. And again and again and again. And unlike Yehuda, Yosef does not fall to her temptations, and he continues to fight against it. And then the Talmud says that uh, eventually he began to slip. One day he was alone with her in the house. And she grabs onto his clothing and he runs away. He leaves his clothing behind. She screams out that he tried to rape her and he's thrown into prison. Again, he finds himself, you know, again, was, he was at the highest point. And the next thing you know, again, he has nothing. And he's in prison for several years. And um, again, what's interesting is the parallels between these two stories because Aisha's Potiphar, the wife of Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar, also had a vision that she is supposed to give forth children with Yosef. And uh, Yosef actually understood that vision, but he refused to sin because she was a married woman. And in reality, that vision was fulfilled through Yosef's eventual wife, Asnas, who was the adopted daughter or the daughter of Potiphar, Mrs. Potiphar. And um, Yosef does actually bring forth children through the line of Potiphar, to some, at least to some degree. So, again, these two stories are very similar. The response is very different. Yosef, uh, the Talmud says, was um, remained pure, and he was sanctified God's name, but in private. Nobody knew about the, the, the temptations that were going on and the trials that he was overstanding that he was controlling himself against and it all happened privately. And in fact, his name was smeared. No one knew about it. Yehuda, on the other hand, publicly declared God's name. There's another very interesting thing um, uh, that we find that Yosef essentially paved the way for the Jewish people to go down into Egypt. He uh, rises to power once again. And um, there's a famine. He, he puts aside. He becomes the viceroy of Egypt for interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, and they end up saving grain. And the Jewish people eventually come down to Egypt to get grain. And, um, and essentially, Yosef eventually brings them down into Egypt, gives them land, and Yehuda goes ahead of them to um, to prepare the space in Goshen. Goshen is uh, is the land that was given over to the Jewish people, and, and Yehuda is the one that pay, that goes down and starts that process of moving to this land called Goshen, while whereas Yosef remains in in the capital city. Um, so, what does this have to do with Hanukkah? So, there's a couple of interesting points that I want to share with you. One is that on Hanukkah, there are essentially two different ideas of what we're doing on Hanukkah. One is there's something called Halal Vahodah, where we praise God and we give thanks to God. 
And we do that, and it is something called prasuminisa, which means that we are glory, we are sharing the mitzvah, the miracle that took place in the days of Hanukkah. And that's why we specifically light the Hanukkah menorah outside our house or in the window where others can see it. At the very least, we're sharing the, the miracle with our family. And that's one of the main things that's happened on Hanukkah is that we are we are publicizing the events that took place. And there's another process that's going on at the same time, which is that the miracle is being uh, increasing um, every night, that the candles increase uh, one day at a time. So the basic mitzvah can be shared just by lighting one candle a night. Uh, I think as we've mentioned before, according to the Talmud, the basic mitzvah is one candle per household. A higher level than that is one candle per person per member of the for every member of the household per night. And the third level is that each person in the house lights eight candles, uh, can, an, an additional candle every night. One, two, three, four, five. So that's called being mosif vaholich, increasing and uh, every day the level of the light. So I believe that there that there are these two levels uh, of correspond to Yosef and Yehuda. Yehuda is about revealing God publicly. His uh, his name Yehuda is Yud Hey Vav Hey, God's name, and in the middle is the the letter Dalid, which is the numerical value four, essentially revealing God in the four corners of the earth. Yosef Yehuda publicly. Uh, sanctifies God's name by publicly admitting that he was wrong in the situation with Tamar. And he's about going outside our house and lighting up the world with the with the candles of Hanukkah. Yosef, on the other hand, is very private. He sanctifies God's name privately. And I believe that Yosef corresponds to this other idea of being Mosef Faholik, increasing the light every day. Because the word Mosef comes from the name Yosef. It means to increase. The word Yehuda is related to the word Hoda, which means thanks. So there are two things that are going on here. And I said in my uh, when I got married that Yosef and Yehuda essentially correspond to two different life growths that have to take place. Yosef, I said, corresponds to the unmarried, the single person, and Yehuda... Ha- corresponds to the person who's married. The whole story of Yehuda takes place after he's married. The whole, most of the story of Yosef takes place before he's married. In fact, when Yosef gets married, um, they actually call him, and he's, as he's being paraded through town by Paro, they call him Avrek, which, which means uh, old, wise, or different explanations, or it means bow down to him. But an Avrek is actually a name that's given to someone who's married uh, a, a Talmud scholar who's married. It's called an Avrich. It's very interesting because at that point he becomes married. So what's the what's the, the life's work when we're single is to refine ourselves personally, to work on our internal self, self-control, struggling within. But once we're married, then the, then the, then the challenge becomes now to reveal God to the world through the Jewish home through the mitzvahs that take place outside of oneself. So Yosef, Yehuda represents bringing light into the darkness, that spark of light that illuminates everything. That's the, that's, that's the, the, that's the initial spark 
And yet Yosef represents fanning that flame and expanding it more and more, which has to do with the internal work that we do. So it's, I don't believe it's a coincidence that the land that Yehuda goes to in Egypt is called Goshen. The Torah refers to it initially as Goshna. And the letters Gimel, Shin, Nun, Hey are actually the four letters that appear on the dreidel. What's the connection? Because whereas Yosef, to some degree, was assimilated, he, he was playing the part of the Jew in public. He was a politician. He, he looked Egyptian. He spoke Egyptian. He had to mingle with Paro. Yehuda, on the other hand, represented the Jewish mission in exile, which is the other aspect of the Jewish mission. When, we, when we're not dappling in politics, is staying true to our own beliefs. And that was the special shtetl, the Jewish town, the Jewish community that was established in Goshen. And that's perhaps the significance of these four letters being on the dreidel, because the whole Hanukkah story, the miracle that took place with the candles, is not really the miracle. The miracle we're celebrating, as I've mentioned before, is the miracle of Jewish survival, the Jewish spark that continues throughout exile, throughout all the persecution. And what really kept the Jewish people as a nation through all 2,000 years of exile, 3,000 plus years of our existence, was the fact that we stayed true to ourselves, to our community, to our language, to our clothing, to our special dress, to our special names. And that was something that the Jews did in Egypt because of this special community that Yehuda established. And at the root of this community, the Torah tells us, why did Yehuda go ahead of the other tribes to Goshen? It was to establish a yeshiva. It's through Torah learning. That's ultimately what keeps us connected. So we need these two aspects of growing internally, of expanding the flame, and the aspect of going out publicly and sharing that with the world. Wishing you all a beautiful Hanukkah.